0: Hello, everyone. This is David Douthit.
1: This is Molly Douthit.
0: And welcome to More Than Hearing, a podcast to encourage preachers to use multiple intelligences in sermons and worship leadership, because there are plenty of ways to reach someone's soul.
1: Today, we are covering Word Smart and Body Smart for the lectionary selections for the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, or Proper 8, your C. Elijah throws his mantle over Elisha in 1 Kings 19. Paul warns against the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, and Jesus helps us understand discipleship with some sharp language in Luke 9, plus a psalm. It's all about getting into the game, so join us as we try to win the World Cup of Sermon Illustrations and Special Effects.
0: This podcast is based on Dr. Howard Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences. Dr. Gardner suggests that there are multiple ways to learn, process, remember, and understand our world. Each week, centered on the weekly readings for the Revised Common Lectionary, we develop illustrations and special effects using various smarts based on Dr. Gardner's identified intelligences. Over the course of four weeks, we will cover Word Smart, Eye Smart, Math Smart, Body Smart, Music Smart, Nature Smart, People Smart, and Self Smart. You can read more about Dr. Gardner's work by clicking on the link at the top of our webpage, morethanhearing.org.
1: Join us as we explore ways these intelligences can be utilized for a deeper appreciation of God's Word. Then, we encourage you to try it for yourself. Anytime time and any way we can make use of the different smarts, we give people greater access to the Word of God so they can acquire it, process it, and internalize it in ways that make sense to them. Let's get started.
0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome here. Glad to have you with us, especially if you're a new listener. We're glad that you found us and uh, hope that you find this to be useful and uh, that you'll take part in some of the conversations and such that are going on around here. And uh, glad to have all our longtime listeners and subscribers as well. This week, we are looking at WordSmart and body smart, but... We want to mention here that uh, we're we're getting into the season after Pentecost, where in year C, there's a split in the lectionary uh, suggestions. There are two tracks that you can take. One, for the Old Testament. For the Old Testament, yes. Uh, uh, one is the semi-continuous, which is kind of just marching through the books. And... Um, <laughs> more or less. And then the other is the complementary. And uh, those are texts that are specifically chosen to match up with the themes of the gospel lesson. Right, And that's for the Old Testament and the Psalm, both of those. Uh, The last time we did year C, our first year doing the show, we did the semi-continuous. Yes. track. And yes. so this year we're we're going to do uh the complementary complementary that's our plan. So there may we'll be some happens. <laughs> Yeah, there may be some weeks when we switch it up, I don't know, but uh, be, Yeah. I, mm. I think there were actually the the last time too that yes, we I were not were. entirely consistent. No. But we'll do our best. No. Well anyway, that's we'll our try. plan is okay. uh that we're going to do the um uh, the complementary track. Before we get into the texts for this week, we want to do a little bit of a feedback loop. That's something that we have done in the past where we uh, either talk about things that we've done or when we get feedback from our listeners. And a friend of mine on Facebook who is also a show listener, Gail Kenny, uh, posted that she had done this really cool thing for Pentecost and we wanted to share it and she said that would be fine. So I'm just going to uh, uh, read through her, her post here. She said, it's a couple weeks past Pentecost, but it's been a wild spring. I recently celebrated three years of leading worship at our local psych hospital. and uh, oh, right. And by the way, the years have fallen. I've done four years of Pentecost Sundays. Pentecost may be my favorite Sunday because the Spirit comes among us in ways we cannot fathom. There are some strict do's and don'ts when you lead worship at the psych hospital. No plastic bags or tablecloths, no sharp objects, no food, no flames, nothing that someone could use to strangle themselves. Jeez. So when I consider Pentecost ideas, balloons, candles, and many other things are out. So pretty I, much every
1: standard prop. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, so I was wandering through the craft section four years ago, looking for something red and kinetic to represent the sparks and flames of the spirit dancing around. And I came across these, and she's got a picture here, uh, bags of soft red palms. Palms.
1: P-O-Ms. P-O-M. P-O-M. Little tiny cotton ball things. Yes.
0: I thought it might be fun for those attending to get in the Spirit, so to speak, and toss around the palms as the Spirit moved them. Not very expensive, if my experiment was a total failure. So I prayed over these and some flames I made out of scrapbooking paper and glitter to hang on the walls, and I prepared worship. Inspirational time for anyone who wanted to come. As I explained what Pentecost was and how Jesus sent the Spirit, how the Spirit moved among them, I invited them to share the spirit of joy with those around them as the Spirit moved them during the service, and I waited. By far the best service we've ever had, The patients didn't turn it into a free-for-all, but the laughter and smiles came out as people realized a handful of palms weren't going to hurt anyone. We sang, we prayed, we talked about church being everywhere that believers gather—in homes, in coffee shops, in sanctuaries, and even in psych hospitals. Since then, I've added some yellow, orange, and white palms to the bag, a mixture of sparks, a bit of joy as people find the spirit creating community in the most unexpected place.
1: How wonderful! I I'm just sitting here that getting was, chills. I that's know. great. I thought it
0: was awesome, and that's why I wanted to share it. So good uh, job, Gail. Absolutely. So you got I Smart, you got body smart, you got people smart, self smart, all, all sorts. A little of, bit of
1: words. Some uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. All sorts of good
0: stuff going on there. How so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. A little bit of a feedback loop for you for this week. Now let's uh, let's go on to what are we doing? Oh, smart! We're doing word and body. Mm, right. You're right, doing right. word. Okay. Word smart or linguistic intelligence is for readers. When it comes to learning, it's about books, filling in worksheets, doing word puzzles and exercises, things like that. It's syntax, semantics, and structure, rhetoric, and rubrics. So uh, anytime you can get your hand on some words, word nerds are are all about it, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Definitions. Yes, yes. Translations from the Greek and the Hebrew.
0: Yes. Where does this word come from? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the sounds of the the words Mm -hmm. working together and Mm -hmm. all those things, right? It is the most used of the intelligences in worship, especially liturgical worship, where you have the bulletin and people reading stuff, right? So, reading, talking, listening. Uh and that's one of the reasons why we started doing this show was to explore other possibilities besides just reading, talking and listening.
1: More than hearing.
0: More than hearing. That's right. So Jesus was clearly a master storyteller, preacher and teacher. He knew how to turn a phrase and uh, also how to turn an argument. So mm-hmm. uh, he was he was exquisite with with word smart. Um and uh that's about all I'm going to say about that. So,
1: <laughs> well, okay, yeah.
0: So, Molly, what have you got for Body Smart?
1: Well, Body Smart or Kinesthetic Intelligence. Uh, body Smart people they need to move. This might be a little bit impractical for your worship space or for your time restrictions. So, you may need to think a little bit outside the box. Rather than actually get up and run around in the sanctuary, encourage your folks maybe to breathe deeply or stretch their arms up to the ceiling. You might even have them stand up and do some stretching and twisting and rolling their joints around in their sockets. Give the people in your congregation who are regular exercisers some tips for hymns or praise music to listen to while they work out, or give runners a verse from a psalm they could use to pace themselves while out on the road. Jesus used body smart. All the time, touching, praying over, healing, walking throughout Galilee, Jesus was on the move himself. I often imagine that he had the physique of a distance runner, kind of lean and sort of lean and mean. Yeah. So connect your body smart people to Jesus' on the go ministry as a way to help them find him where they are. The Old
0: Testament lesson for year C, Ordinary 13, is 1 Kings 19, verses 15 and 16, and then 19 to 21, uh, unless you want to be realistic about things and include <laughs> verses 17 and 18. This is uh, the call of Elisha, or Elisha, um, after Elijah has been to the cave, after the wind running the away from yeah. from voice. Yeah. right?
1: Which we didn't do last week, right?
0: Um, and so he's gotten this charge from God to go out and finish his work, and uh, the first thing he does is the last thing he was told to do, <laughs> <laughs> which is to pick El- Elisha or Elisha uh as his successor. So it, this starts off with the Lord telling him the things that he's supposed to do. Go to Syria and anoint the king there, and go to Israel and anoint the king there, and then pick Elisha as your uh, successor. So he sets off and he finds Elisha. He throws his mantle over him. Elisha is busy uh, plowing. Uh, he goes and says, oh, let me kiss my mother and father. And Elisha is <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. And uh, he goes back. He slaughters the oxen, prepares a feast for the people in the town. And then he goes off to be the servant of Elijah.
1: And you will see why this is the complimentary passage when we get to Luke.
0: Right, exactly. For Word Smart, then, uh, I got connected with verse 20, which is Elijah's response when Elisha says, let me go kiss my mother and father. And he's, it's translated, go back again for what have I done to you? which is,
1: yeah, it's
0: it's pretty ambiguous. And even in the Hebrew, it's, it's really nebulous. And uh, so it might be translated, uh, turn around and consider carefully the important thing that I have done to you. You know, like, don't Mm do that. I've done the thing here. What have I done to you? Come on. Right. Right, so it might right. be that or it might be, yeah, go ahead go back. I I'm not stopping you. What
1: right. have I
0: done to stop you? Nothing. Right.
1: Which is obviously the way Elisha uh, interprets it because right. it goes and does it.
0: Right. Um so the the ambiguity of it reminded me of an, a, a skit on Saturday Night Live that I saw years and years and years ago with Ed Asner. And uh, he was an engineer retiring from a nuclear plant, and his parting wisdom for his coworkers was, "Remember, you can't put too much water in the reactor." And he leaves, and so one of his coworkers sets off then to put more water in the reactor. You know, I'm going to go put more water in, because you can't put too much water in the reactor. But the others stop him and say, no, 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 you, you can't put too much water in the reactor. And so an argument ensues while the reactor begins to go critical. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it goes on from there. So anyway, what are the implications of each interpretation of Elijah's reply? To what extent is our understanding of this scene influenced by the gospel text for today, which we'll take a look at? and? Um, to what extent should it be? And then for a special effect, come up with a list of ambiguous statements and put them on an insert in your bulletin or up on the screen, depending on your tech, and ask people to choose which meaning they think each one has. Give them a choice maybe, uh, or just let them fit, sort it out. And then, you know, pull them by show of hands. Mm-hmm. And and uh, that that's how to get into that.
1: Well, for Body Smart, um, what really kind of caught my attention was Elijah throwing the mantle over Elisha, which is a sign of succession. You're coming after me, kid. Which made me think of, uh, when you're a child and you, uh, get into your parents closet and wear their clothes. So you're clumping yeah, around yeah. in oversized shoes or you've got your dad's pants on and you have to roll the legs way up or you put on a hat and it falls down over your eyes. Uh, it, 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 it sort of made me think of, of uh, just essentially playing dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the idea there being that clothing, uh, particularly for Elijah, and Elisha, this particular article of clothing represents you are my successor. Mm-hmm. Sort of the way playing dress up kind of represents that too. These are mommy's yeah. and daddy's clothes, and one day I I'll be big be like, just them. like them. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So uh, for a special effect, you could have some old dress up clothes and invite a kid forward and dress them up, and then talk about growing into the uh, the just the role of succession. Cool. Neat. Let's go on. The psalm for ordinary thirteen year C is Psalm sixteen. The entirety of the psalm. It is, according to the New Revised Standard Version, and its little um title, its little title card, a song of trust and security in God, a miktam of David. Uh, So it goes through talking about um, how David puts his trust in God and and about how those who choose other gods multiply their sorrows. Uh, uh, The boundary lines have fallen on David in pleasant places. He has a goodly heritage because he has chosen to trust Yahweh. He blesses the Lord who gives him counsel. He always keeps the Lord before him. Uh, and therefore, his heart is glad, his soul rejoices, and his body rests secure. Which is what caught my attention for body smart, mm-hmm. body resting secure. And so I got to thinking to myself, what is it that allows us to completely and utterly relax? What gives us um, a sense of calm and of peace and of restoration? One of the first thing I thought of was a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, And for a good night's sleep, you probably need a supportive mattress, a quiet room, some place that is secure against weather, uh, and then just kind of continuing on with the idea of a body at rest, cushions, blankets, climate control, a safe space, So to connect this psalm with body smart people, this isn't one necessarily so much where they're on the move, but maybe when they've gotten home from being on the move, (laughs) or just the idea that a a safe, peaceful place is something that is so valuable, particularly in our hectic world these days. And uh, it's... it's a blessing it really is just a gift to be able to completely and utterly relax so think of it in those terms think of it in terms of your body being restored your body being healed your body having an opportunity to recharge and get going for the next day for a special effect i have a link to um a place called, a a website called Help Guide, which has a long list of things for how you might sleep better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several different tips about um, winding down, clearing your head, bedtime rituals, uh, what you might eat or drink before going to sleep, learning ways to get back to sleep should you wake up, and just kind of an overall sense of, of resting well. Uh, Uh, Does
0: it include trusting in the Lord?
1: No, it does not.
0: So that would be something that the preacher would need to add, I guess.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Right. So there you go.
0: Cool. Well, for Word Smart, uh, thinking about the psalm as an old school testimonial advertisement. (laughs) (laughs) I had this terrible problem, but then I found product A. I tried other products before, but they just didn't do the job. And now I use product A and my terrible problem has disappeared. I tell all my friends to use product A and you should too. Right. <laughs> so it's uh, it's more a style of advertising that it has has passed. Oh, we don't yeah. use it that much uh, these days. And, and now when they do a... Uh, testimonial, they, they usually have some awful, nerdy, r- r- jerky character doing it that you don't want to be like. Right, exactly. <laughs> I don't get that. But uh, anyway, you might have to uh, go back a few decades to find some examples of this sort of thing, at least in the U.S. Um, advertising. So, uh, you know, geritol commercials, oh and, yeah, you know oh, yeah. things like uh, that.
1: I'm thinking of a Betty White commercial right, that right. she did on her TV show way back in the '50s. That some people think was the Vitamita vegemin uh, 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 origin. Yes, because yes. I don't know I which came about first. That too, yeah, I don't, and I don't know if Betty White's commercial came first or. And yeah, then prob- I vegemin think you're probably came off of that because yeah. it parodies it perfectly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was Geritol, I think. Excellent. Yeah, I, well, so, I, maybe it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. pretty sure. So um, for <laughs> special effect, you could either write your own psalm about how God has led you and protected you and invite your congregation to do the same, or you could take that ad structure and make it a template uh, sort of like a mad lib kind uh-huh. of thing so you have this template with blanks in it to for the people to fill in and i've got an example on the worksheet that you can find at our show notes at org. but basically that thing that i just read except taking out product a and and you know terrible problem and putting your <laughs> putting in blanks where people can fill in their own thing right
1: right that would be fun well and then encourage them to hold on to that too you know yeah and yeah. take it home and, and maybe
0: make it part of their nighttime ritual so there they there you go they, so they, they can sleep well sleep. Yeah.
1: yeah there you go <laughs> excellent
0: okay let's go on the epistle lesson for year c ordinary 13 Is Galatians five verse one, and then verses thirteen through twenty-five. I think they put verse one close to the Sunday on the Sunday closest to the fourth of July. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, uh, For freedom, Christ has set us free. And stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, and then when it goes to verse thirteen, it talks about that freedom as not being opportunity for for indulging oneself or for fighting with your brothers and sisters. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how the the desires of the flesh, the sarks, is uh, is opposed to the desire of the spirit. And uh, then he talks about the works of the flesh and names 15 of them. They are obvious, but he gives us 15 of them nevertheless. Uh, And don't do these things because you won't inherit the kingdom of God. I must do the thing. No, do not do the thing. Uh, and by contrast, the fruit of the Spirit then is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. So, uh, classic passage here, and uh, let's just jump right in. For WordSmart, uh, I, I was trying to see if there was a literary connection between the list of the 15 and the list of the nine. My math smart kicked in and it's like, that doesn't work. I can't reduce that. So I, I started thinking about how do those relate to each other? And uh, so I, I lined them all up in a chart. So it, I ended oh, up doing smart. some math smart on this, but uh, what I found was that you can line up the the works of the flesh in clumps to parallel the fruits of the spirit hmm. so that they they are things that mirror each other oh, kind very of negatively right. and i've got this also on the worksheet so you can see what i did but it's like love uh, the fruit of the spirit is is reflected in fornication impurity and licentiousness
1: Reflected negatively.
0: Reflected negatively, right. Right. Uh, Peace is reflected negatively in enmity and strife, patience in quarrels, and so on down the line, self-control, drunkenness, and carousing, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you can, in fact, match them up word by word or chunk by chunk. The one that does not have uh, an analog in the works of the flesh is joy, Hmm. And I, I—that's going to preach for me. Um, that when you're involved with the works of the flesh, you might be seeking joy, but you won't find anything like it.
1: I think that's a good point. I think probably the negative reflection of joy is despair.
0: Well, yeah, yeah.
1: That Paul just chose not to talk about. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it's the not inheriting the kingdom.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. Ultimately, okay.
0: Right? So, uh, it, it's that's fascinating. Word smart for comparing cool. the words, mm-hmm. uh, math smart for the chart. for the chart and the logic, uh, and self smart for internal reflection about it.
1: Yeah, cool. That's awesome. You could also make it people smart by having people share it with each other. Yeah, yeah. Where do you find yourself here? Right. Or you 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 think you find yourself here? I see you here. Who? Hmm. <laughs> kind of yeah, if you really want to get yeah, into Well,
0: it. you'd want to stay on the fruits of the spirit side. Yes, of yes, one, yes. I,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I see you with enmity and strife.
1: Speak the truth in love. Leading to quarrels <laughs> and anger and factions. <laughs> oh, goodness, hadn't thought of that. Anyway, yeah, yeah that could... Well, anyway... Yeah.
0: Pastoral opportunities.
1: Right, right, right. There you go. There you go. Some counseling opportunities. Okay. Uh, let's get out of that quagmire and go over to body. <laughs> <laughs> what I got to thinking about in terms of body for this particular passage is the connection between the mind and the spirit. Um the, the the mind, the body and the spirit um, and how your body feels sometimes affects your spirit, which affects your mind, where your mind is sometimes will affect your spirit, which affects your body, where your spirit is, blah, blah, that whole kind of right. interactive right. Uh, cycle there. And so I went looking for some things and I found a link uh, to the Mayo Clinic, which has applications for an integrative medicine and health research program, um, which is doing studies on the connection between the mind and the body for a variety of things, for reducing anxiety, for, um, for mindfulness for patients who are going into breast cancer surgery, uh, music music assisted relaxation for patients patients with spinal cord injury. Mm. A lot of these um, uh, stress management management and resilience for sexuality. Uh, so these are a lot of different opportunities for people to join in as a as a study. Uh, uh, applicant for some of these these studies, these clinical trials, hmm. but it, all of them are about um, how the body and the mind connect to a- affect healing. Essentially, hmm. it's a little off to off the beaten path for what Paul is talking about here. I think, but uh, his 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 compare contrast of the spirit and of the of the the flesh. Um, definitely, if if there's a lot of one or the other, it will affect the way your body feels. Right.
0: It's which one's in charge, right?
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, and the U.S. National Library of Medicine has an article about uh, mind-body research moving toward the mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, that it's not really kind of a touchy-feely granola sort of... Um, Out there, alternative, alternative holistic, you know, oh God, sort of thing. But it's really becoming mainstream because there's evidence Mm -hmm. that the way your spirit and your mind are set, how it will go toward healing your body. And I've seen that as a pastor going Mm -hmm. into hospitals and places, people who were dejected and down, they're not good. Uh, And people who were like, I'm going to get through this, get through it.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Very often, that that is the case. Yeah, no.
1: absolutely. So, um, there's a couple of ways of connecting the body to the reading of this passage. Also, uh, fruits and veggies—the fruits of the spirit—you need a lot of those in your diet. And the works of the flesh are junk food. So, <laughs> so for a special effect, as verses 19 or 21 are read, the works of the the flesh and the fruit of the spirit encourage your congregation to feel the presence of these things in their bodies. And they're probably going to feel it really well with the works of the flesh, all of those mm. negative things. I mean, y- even as you read the list, as you're as you're presenting it in, in, in worship, you can start feeling those things kind of working around the edges. So what do those feel like? How, and, and how does your body posture change as you're feeling them? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as the fruit of the Spirit are read, How does your body feel as you read those? And does your body posture change? And you might even, this is something that has just occurred to me, as you read these things, say each word and then pause and allow people to feel them and then note how their body changes. Do they hunch their shoulders? Do they cross their arms? Do they drop their head? And then as you read the fruits of the spirit, encourage them to really breathe that in and then see how that changes their bodies. Do their heads lift up? Do their backs straighten? Do their shoulders straighten? Do yeah, their so, stomachs So unplenched? as you're reading
0: the, the works of the flesh, watch your folks and say, okay, you need to come see me this week. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could. You could. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go on. The Gospel lesson for Year C, Ordinary 13, is Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. Um, this is the reason the Old Testament lesson was selected, because this is uh, the second part of this reading, is where um, Jesus says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And in earlier in that, someone said, I'll follow you wherever you want to go, but I need to go bury my father. Let the dead bury their own. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. That's the second part. The first part is they're traveling through Samaria, and there are villages that did not receive them uh, because Jesus' face was set toward Jerusalem. There's an interesting connection there. Mm -hmm. That would be an interesting explore. But when the disciples, James and John, see how they did not receive Jesus, they say, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Um, And there is a section uh, of verse 56 that gets clipped in modern readings. Ancient readings uh, include Jesus rebuking them and saying to them, you do not know what spirit you are of, Galatians connection there, for Hmm. the Son of Man has not come to destroy the lives of human beings, but to save them. Interesting. Yes. I would add that to my reading of that passage particularly. So anyway, I kind of went a little backwards on this. I (laughs) pretended the later versions first to show the complementary, but then there's also this little bit here of James and John. So as far as body smart is concerned, Jesus' face being set toward Jerusalem and him saying to a follower who wants to go home and say farewell to those at my home, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back... Is fit for the kingdom of God. So it's sort of an orientation as to where your face is, which way you're looking. And I remember um, being either reading or being told one time that when you're on a horse, riding a horse, that if wherever you look is where the horse is going to go. Mm, mm-hmm. And I don't know that it's necessarily because the horse knows that you're looking there, but because but because when you turn your head, very often you turn your shoulders. And you twist your waist, and which also kind of, it just goes all the way down your body. And there's a part of your body that's connected to the horse. <laughs> your hips and your legs are on the horse. And so if the top part of you is turning and the bottom part of you starts to turn, the horse goes, oh, we're supposed to go this way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the way you go. Which, if you intend to go that way, is all right, great. Right, you're right, working right. in union, but if you te- if you want to continue, go straight, and you turn your head, the horse gets confused. So, um, if you're going to turn your head while you're on a horse, and you don't want to change your direction, it's best to halt, <laughs> stop, look, then go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I know anything about riding horses. Well. You've
0: done it a time or two.
1: A time or two, right. Uh, also, um, I think we talked about this three years ago when we did this passage, that if you're a farmer, and this is particularly oh, yeah, yeah. about putting your hand on the plow and looking back, if you're plowing and you look back over your shoulder, again, the whole turning thing, it messes up your lines. Yep. And so if uh, you ever driving around in the country and you see plowed lines or rows of crops that suddenly veer off you know that somebody looked back yeah, while well, yeah. they were working
0: it's like riding a bicycle too oh you yeah know, you never absolutely. honk at somebody when you come up behind them on the bicycle because they'll turn and look at you and, and then, then they'll, then they'll boom, swerve in yep. front of you
1: right not a good idea so um there's the there's a simple body connection there in a uh, body smart connection with that passage um, you can demonstrate this a special effect by walking across your chancel, first looking forward, and then looking backward. If you're walking forward, looking back over your shoulder, and if you're walking on a raised platform, you might want to have a spotter in case you do actually <laughs> fall off. You don't want to uh, have any injuries or reasons to go to the emergency no, room. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: For Word Smart, looking at uh, verses 57 to 61, where it, which is the second half here, where Jesus is talking with these potential followers, and his statements are are really kind of cryptic, and and I don't know, I couldn't figure quite the right word whether it was idiomatic or if they were aphorisms, but they're they they, they don't give a, a straight answer. Uh, and you really have to think about it. And it put me in mind of Dan Ratherisms <laughs> on election night, you know, these folksy kind of comparison statements uh, that
1: seem to mean something to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like this race is tighter than Willie Nelson's headband, you know. It's
1: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. All right. <laughs> and, cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so that's what I've got. Is I've got several collections of Dan Ratherisms that you could take a look at, and uh, they're these sort of folksy comparison statements
1: hotter than a Times Square Rolex, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and I think you know, he started off probably they just threw, threw a couple of these out one night, and uh, and then realized that it was a good way to fill all the time that you have on election night, you know, cause <laughs> nothing. Right. right. So um, anyway, we've got a, a, a collection from adweek.com. There's some at Dan Rather's official website. And there's a, a couple of interviews about people talking about his use of these uh, Dan Ratherisms. And then uh, the first list that I found was actually a, a a Collection of fake ratherisms that I thought were really kind of funny, even though they're a little raunchier, some of them. Uh, uh, so
1: <laughs> use those with a warning. Yeah, 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 edit those.
0: Yeah, the point though being that um, it's a statement that makes you stop and think, What is it that he's actually saying here? and that's what these statements <laughs> oh my.
1: this race is humming along like Ray Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But. Yeah. <laughs> Swinging like Count Basie. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. It, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got those swing votes. votes. He actually said.
1: One's reminded of that old saying, don't taunt the alligator until after you've crossed the creek. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He grew up in some interesting times. I
0: guess, I guess. So anyway, uh, Jesus makes these comments to his potential followers that they really have to stop and think about, and uh, uh, that's kind of the point, is what is he actually saying here, and what does it mean for me if I'm going to be his follower? Well, that's our podcast for today. Please ask questions or leave us a comment on our website, www.morethanhearing.org or facebook.com morethanhearing or tweet us at morethanhearing or email us at connect at If you tried any of these suggestions or maybe got an idea you like better than ours, please let us know what you did and how it went. We'd love to hear how using this theory has made a difference in your preaching and worship.
1: Remember to check out the show notes, worksheets, links, and resources at our website. They go hand in glove with the podcast and give you lots more material to work with. Don't forget to subscribe using the links on the website for iTunes, Google Play, Android, or good old RSS, or point your podcatching software at morethanhearing.org feed podcast. Help others find us more easily by writing a review at the iTunes store. And, of course, you can share the show with your friends and colleagues. We'll be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, stay subscribed and be smart. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.
0: This is a Whippet Good production.